Hello, and welcome to the On-Premise IT Roundtable, the only podcast that dares to be both on topic and on location, no matter where that location might be. My name is Tom Hollingsworth, and I am a part of the Gestalt IT Network, focusing on networking, security, and wireless. And each episode, we bring you the perspectives and viewpoints of a group of IT luminaries that debate a topic or a premise in a given field. I'd like to take a moment for each of our guests to introduce themselves before we get into today's premise. Peter? Hey, Tom and everybody else. Great to be here. My name is Peter Nefkens. Uh, you can find me on Twitter with @pjnef, and my blog is on nefkens.net. Thank you. Jarrett? And I'm Jarrett Colm. You can find me on Twitter at jk47theweapon or my blog jk-47.com. And Michael. Michael Davis. On Twitter at Michael underscore E Davis and blogging at bbrainstorm.com. All right. Thank you all for joining us. Let's jump into today's premise. Now, if you work in security, you probably have heard of a botnet. In fact, you could probably name off five of them on your hands right now. They are pervasive and very difficult to get rid of. And there are a lot of tricks and tips that companies are using to try to get around them, up to and including copyright infringement lawsuits to shut them down. However, as the operators of these botnets have started to branch out into more interesting forms of criminal activity, they've run afoul of the government. And there have been recent issues where both the US government and other governments around the world have decided to jump in and start trying to shut these folks down with varying degrees of success. However, having Microsoft try to shut down your botnet is one thing. Having the feds do it is an entirely different matter altogether. So the premise for this episode today is that governments attempting to shut down botnets is a bad thing. So um, I'm going to start with Jared. Um, you know, you've had uh, some security experience in the past, and and uh, kind of uh, are an outspoken person when it comes to a lot of these things. How do you feel about the um, U.S. Cyber Command uh, arm of the federal government stepping in and saying, you know what, we're just going to shut your botnet down because you tried to hack our election or or you decided to you know crash the Social Security Administration? Well, it I, I think it really comes down to what the target of the situation was. So when we think of in terms of elections, for example, there there is a distinct target and it is it is the government's job to protect elections. Uh, the problem comes into play when the source and the targets are either international or or multiple targets, multiple fronts that it's attacking. Uh, the problem is we're not the only ones attempting to do this. And that becomes a, a huge issue. So if if we want to see our own government as white knights uh, trying to stop this, then what are our adversaries doing? Like North Korea's App 37 group or Lazarus group, they look like white knights in their own country or within their own political uh, sect. So I, I think the problem really comes into play when we we try to think of it as a, a, a patriotic endeavor instead of a piece of the overall encroachment of what many of the governments are doing. Yeah, I would agree that if it's the government attempting to defend against a specific attack, 
much in the same way that we would defend a, another hard target. Uh, that's one thing. But when it's a flag waving eagle land, we're doing this to give you guys some freedom kind of hacking. It, it does cross a bit of a line and, and stops becoming less defensive and, and more um, a political operation. Uh, now, Peter Yan, you are not an American, so you have an interesting no. perspective on this as well. <laughs> um, you know, coming from from the European side of things, how do you feel about governments, whether it's the U.S. government or your own government or another government, trying to disrupt a botnet? Um, I th actually think it's um, depending on the reasons uh, is a good thing uh, because most botnets are managed by organized crime. And we all accept uh, agencies trying to pull down organized crime like drugs or whatever. So why not also have that digitally? And I agree with uh, Jared that once it's going to be political, that's a different thing. But as soon as you look at it from a, a more juris uh, law perspective and that somebody is doing things on computers that are, that's not allowed, the government or at least a part of the government should actually take that into account and take law enforcement digitally too. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's that's an interesting perspective on it because you know it's it's the government's job to protect us from things, isn't it? Yes, um, and maybe and that's per perhaps the key thing is uh, as soon as it's done for the protection of the general public or protecting generic infrastructure, like they should also protect all utilities and other things that are key to our infrastructure. Um, I don't really see a reason why they should not do that. I would actually expect them to do that because they need to protect our society. Michael, what about you? Do you think it's a good idea for a government to start um, trying to disrupt a botnet? I think it can be very problematic, particularly once you move past the defensive stage and you start going after proactive targets, particularly international ones, because then you're opening yourselves up for retaliation. You're just going after organized crime in your own country. You are pretty much for your game, and if it's defensive, it you're defending your stuff. But once you start going after targets in other countries, then it's more of you are taking action and you're inviting someone else to come back after you. Does that's partially true? But doesn't that also depend on who is actually taking that defensive action? If you take Interpol as an example of a united police force within Europe, you can actually have a cross-border action taking down a botnet across all, several countries in Europe. Yeah, if you're doing it in coordination with a, another country and they know about it, it's one thing. But if it were just like a unilateral, we're going to go in and we're going to start enforcing U.S. law in Turkey or Azerbaijan yep. or wherever. It, to me, it's a totally different thing. That is totally different. That can actually be seen, uh, or that could be seen as an act of war. Yeah, and when, when you think of the hundreds of billions of dollars that are being spent on uh, these teams or groups like NSA, everything, the infrastructure goes around it, putting it under the guise or or premises of, or, or premise of, oh, we're just building this to uh, protect us, it's going to be used for a lot more than just botnets. So but that's, a, that, tricky that's a big issue. Yeah, That's a tricky, that's a very thin line that's easy to cross. Uh, mm -hmm. We all know about Edward Snowden and what he has brought out. Uh, and yes, I'm from Europe, so privacy is, well, we all know GDPR, and I'm very keen on my privacy. 
uh, not that I'm not willing to share or that I don't mind sharing my data, but I want to have the freedom to share the data. And that's, uh, that's a diff different discussion, of course, with privacy. But as soon as these uh, organizations are taking um, the, the, the wrong decisions and taking privacy, uh, they're not take, handling that as a, as a right and they just step over it, that's a wrong step. That's the wrong line. Need to have clearer rules of engagement also, otherwise it becomes, okay, well, we don't like what this group is doing, we're gonna go after them, whether or not yep. they've really done anything illegal other in the country of origin, they, and, you just don't like them. Yes. And, and with the clear lines of engagement, every time the administration changes in the country, who the target is, is going to change. But perhaps that's uh, that's where the political line is going to be difficult um, because then it's more political oriented. And we all know that there are also groups closely affiliated with uh, states or called state uh, state actors. Um, and as soon as you're targeting them, I mean, uh, some attacks from botnets, they are attributed to a specific group, but they're never attributed to uh, to a country. And that's for a reason, um, because you need to be very careful with that. Was it really that group? So taking down a botnet is only step one. Prosecution and getting them behind bars is step two. And that I should be wanna, part of it too. And I want to jump in here and I want to talk about that because that's actually an issue that's come up and I'm kind of curious about that. So um, various countries all over the world have laws that regulate how law enforcement and arms of law enforcement are allowed to operate in those. Now, I'll speak from the perspective of the United States because this is where I've grown up but we have very bright lines about what can and can't be done by certain groups. So for example, the CIA is not allowed to operate domestically. They're only allowed to operate internationally. Likewise, the FBI is the national law enforcement agency for the US federal government, but only for federal crimes. Also, we have very clear, clear rules about how the US military is allowed to operate domestically to not violate the Posse Comitatus Act. Now, making Cyber Command an arm of the Air Force in the NSA makes it problematic. Also, what if a foreign agency is demanding that a U.S. agency operate in the U.S. borders to crush a botnet that is operating internationally? Whose job is it? What about companies that are operating internationally and they are being pressured by a foreign government to act on the behalf of that government domestically on equipment located in the US. How do we untangle all of these difficult things without, as Peter Yan mentioned, um, some kind of um, overarching agency that collects multiple governments and law enforcement agencies to act, maybe not unilaterally, but with the blessing of multiple jurisdictions to avoid stepping on toes? Well, it, it goes even deeper than that because we've seen over the last uh, decade that even our, our own government is giving states and larger cities heavy amount of funding for the same type of tools for uh, intercept or, or attack back strategies to local police forces. So it's not even just the major organizations like CIA, FBI, or DHS as a whole. It's now we have to deal with state actors like uh, police thinking that they're going to be the overall internet law enforcement for things that might originate in their own area. So it's definitely an issue of 
who owns the responsibility for these. But I, I think with everyone reporting up to the DHS umbrella, that a lot of those uh, delineations that we had in the past of what the different organizations and groups could do, the different branches armed services or, or government um, policing entities, that it it's really a muddled mess when we think about who can do what. And that's also depending on which on how the country is organized. I mean, the U.S. is politically and, uh, and in jurisdiction based uh, quite different from European countries, where you really have a distinction between states uh, being lawmakers and law enforcement. And you always have the judges as a triangle uh, uh, without too many politics in general uh, to validate that they're doing the correct thing. Uh, I've seen that with uh, a, a complete different story, but part of it is, is, is just to explain uh, that police wanted to uh, search for an international criminal and they followed them into a plane. Uh, actually, they followed the attorney. Uh, and, and there was quite a bit of upheave about it, but they were, not, they were not doing that apprehension in that foreign country. That's what the local enforcement was doing. So what we should need is I think, uh, except that we need international agreements and, and whatever organization is going to be used for that is step two, to have more clear um, rules of engagement, terms of reference on how to actually take these botnets down and take the criminals uh, into the proper punishment, basically. It's organized crime. It's like the mob. It's like drug. it drugs. It's, it's criminal activity and we should do something about it. Well, I, I think we also have to to take into consideration that, at least in the U.S., we have a big example of of an over encroaching um, breach of privacy on citizenry as a whole to try to track down a few perpetrators of crimes. So, my biggest concern is when we look at things that either our government or our local police have done. For example, Baltimore, someone stole $60 of chicken wings. So they released the Stingray, which is a cell phone intercept for 60,000 people. Like intercepting privacy for 60,000 people to find someone that stole chicken wings. That's a big problem when we think of what's going to happen if, for example, someone releases or starts doing a botnet in the US. Is our government going to try to intercept all internet traffic? for everyone, hundreds of thousands, millions of people in an area, just to try to figure out where are the acting nodes. So we can use what's happened in the past to look at what's potentially going to come down in the future upon us. I don't think there's any question that they would. If you look back in the past at Carnivore and the other programs related to it, mm -hmm. they've been saying, oh, we're not spying on you for years, but they actually are. Yes. and. It's only starting to come to light to the greater public after Snowden did his releases. And if you think the government isn't going to spy on you just because you have data out there, you're being naive. I, I hear what um, uh, Jared and Michael are saying, and I'm, I'm careful with that too. I'm, I'm not going to be naive in thinking that my government isn't doing the same things. Uh, I do have a firm belief in talking and making agreements internationally. Uh, that's probably because I'm European and 
well, we talk a lot in the European Union to get things done. It takes ages, but then you get something. Um, but you have to be careful. And I do have a, a firm belief in, in our juridic, uh, uh, justice system that there are checks and balances that prevent taking a big bazooka to take a, a small theft down. But that's that third part that always needs to check before an action is taking place. Yeah, and one of the things that kind of comes to mind here is the, and I'll reference a, a, a recent action that was taken against the TrickBot botnet. Uh, Microsoft and Symantec and a bunch of companies had been attempting to take it down with varying degrees of success. And then uh, the US Cyber Command got involved and, well, quite honestly, got tricky with it and was able to disrupt some of it. However, the hardened command and control functions that were being used were able to recover, at least at the time of this recording. Is the problem that maybe the government's trying to take down botnets isn't bad necessarily. It's just that we don't have enough capability for the governments to be able to do a thorough job. And I reference things like hosting these botnets in places that are outside of government reach and, you know, servers hosted on sea land or behind uh, countries that don't allow government operation inside of their borders. It is the issue that if the governments are the ones going after the botnets, that the people who are creating them are just going to get more um, creative about trying to find ways to hide them places that the government can't touch. It's definitely going to be an arms race because as the governments get better at finding them and taking them down, those that build them are going to get better at hiding them, having it in multiple ways of control and backdoors so that one pathway of controlling it gets taken down, they have another way of controlling it. It's going to be back and forth for eternity. Yeah, that's that's probably the case because there's too much money being earned uh, with managing and selling and renting out botnets. So there's a monetary issue. It's a complete market. It's a business. And I believe they even support, so they have like 24 seven support desks regular build times they even guarantee that it's going not going to be detected for the coming 14 days and if it's being detected you get your money back it's just another software engineering company or companies uh, except they're using it uh, uh, maliciously yeah i mean look at mirai it was supposedly taken down and gone but two years ago and it's starting to crop back up again because they just re-engineered the binaries and slight variation hey, we're back in business. You could also consider uh, how can you prevent getting the, these botnets, um, which means endpoint security. While we do have certain capabilities, and I think we are good at uh, intercept and attacking, there are other things that we, we of course, have bungled. So when we have uh, an issue of a some kid in his early 20s able to uh, decipher a a malware, uh, block it by buying a domain name, and then of course our government arrests him for his past. I think we're definitely taking the wrong approach to looking at the future of protecting our citizens against things like botnets, ransomware, and malware. All right. So it sounds like there's there's a little bit of contention on both sides, that maybe governments aren't the best person to be doing this, maybe a collection of governments are the best people to be doing this, but there's always the possibility that the government's going to get it wrong. So the question that I'm going to pose to our guests today is, 
who is the best person to be taking down a botnet? Well, I definitely think our, our governments as a whole, akin to like Interpol, do need to be a very large actor of it. But I don't believe they're the only ones that need to be a part of it. Things like Microsoft, Red Hat, community as a whole. But there also needs to be the oversight with it by non, non-government bodies, especially not uh, the same governments that are actually doing the attack back that need to have very large oversight of the program. I would agree if you don't have any sort of oversight, it just becomes vigilante justice on the part of companies and independent organizations. And in government oversight, it needs to be as largely a non-political body as you can get. You're always gonna have some politics, but you want to be more like Interpol and less like the UN where you have company, countries being put on committees that are very ironic because of their history and what the committee is. So you I've, have to strike that balance there. I think it should, it's actually twofold. Um, if you look at botnets from state actors, uh, that should be a, a defense strategy with oversight, obviously, and uh, taking that internationally too. And once you look at criminal uh, botnets, and I know that it's very difficult to make that distinction in advance, you should have these international organizations like Interpol and an international uh, oversight organization, uh, which is going to take not only the botnet down, but also take them to justice, like the International Justice Department or, or International Court or something like that, because it's always international. And you need to take this internationally yeah, I, I would agree there. So the premise of the episode is that government's taking these down is bad. I think that the premise is a little faulty simply because a government attempting to take down a single botnet on its own in a unilateral action is probably not a good thing. A collection of governments and private entities working in concert to eliminate a known criminal or bad actor botnet is a good thing provided it is done for the right reasons to protect the citizens of the world and has enough accountability that we can point back and say that we did this for the good reasons that they should. And there's going to always have to be discussions and there's going to have to be meetings and there's going to have to be uncomfortable conversations about this when we turn our lens to botnets that are in gray areas or being operated by state actors who work outside of the global community. But in a world without borders, botnets don't respect government lines drawn on a map. Governments need to start thinking about erasing those lines if they wanna be able to fight back against those same people. Thank you very much for joining us for this episode of the On-Premise IT Roundtable. We appreciate you listening. If you want to check out the latest episode of this podcast, please head to our website at gestaltit.com slash podcast. You can also download us on your favorite podcast application of choice. Um, if you want to find us in iTunes, we're also there as well if you're not already subscribed. If you are subscribed, though, please head over and leave us a rating and a review. That is something that a lot of people will look at whenever they are deciding whether or not to listen to this podcast. And the more listeners we have, the better everything is for everyone else. And if you have a premise that you'd like to see debated on this podcast, 
please drop us a line over at Gestalt IT. You can tweet us at Gestalt IT, and we will be happy to uh, take your premise under consideration. And maybe one of the IT luminaries in a future episode will be telling us whether or not it holds water. So for myself, Tom Hollingsworth, for the rest of the luminaries that joined us on the episode today, and for the rest of the Gestalt IT family, thank you very much for tuning in. And we look forward to seeing you at the next episode.